0: Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Glory. Well, last Sunday we were looking at over in 1 Peter chapter 2. Let's turn there again, and let's pick up where we were, now to get the most out of this, it uh, would have been best for you to be in the previous services, so uh, if you weren't, you can go back and of course go online, go to our website and, and uh, listen to the previous messages on this subject, but uh, most of you were here, and, uh, and even if, if you weren't, you'll still get a lot out of this today, amen. And so in, second, in First Peter, the second chapter, in verse number five, we were looking at that verse in particular. We won't go into all the preliminaries associated with this verse, but just picking up here. said, you also, as living stones, are being built up. Notice it's a process. You are being built up a spiritual house. Praise God. That's talking about the local church. We are being built up not a natural house, not a physical house. He's not talking about the, the uh, plaster and metal and all that that you see around you. He's talking about a, the spiritual house. We are being built up. A spiritual house and a holy priesthood. The priesthood that we're in is holy. It's a holy priesthood. And and what is the uh, role of of us as priests to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ? Now this is telling us that no spiritual sacrifice, and of course we know what those spiritual sacrifices are. We've we've identified uh, praises. Remember in, in Hebrews, let us continually offer the sacrifice. Of praise to God, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks into His name. So we know praise and worship is uh, one of these sacrifices that we offer up. But He's telling us that no sacrifice that we offer would be acceptable except through Jesus Christ. He is the the, the fundamental, the most basic uh, 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 justification or. Uh, uh, crediting or a uh, 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 foundation for our praise and worship. We have no praise and worship to offer except through him. Everybody would agree with that. Jesus Christ is not the only person or thing that makes our praises acceptable, but he's the fundamental thing. He's the foundational thing. There are the, There are some other things that make our praise acceptable to Christ, and we'll look at those Uh, a little later as we get into this today. But the thing I want to leave you with in this verse is that we are, just like Christ is the chief cornerstone, a living chief cornerstone, that we could say the foundation, we also are living stones and we are being built up or into a spiritual house. Local church is a spiritual house. We've come together to to be a place, a spiritual house in which God dwells. And then back in uh, Ephesians, the second chapter, Ephesians chapter two, verse 21 and 22 says, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Verse 22 says, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. Is it important that believers be a part of a local church? Well, it is because verse 21 has to do with the universal church, the worldwide church. Verse 22 has to do with the local church and it says that we are being uh, fitted together. Is that how it says that? Is that what it says? Or built together. Yeah, built together. In whom you also are being built together. Well, you can't be built together if you're not together. (laughs) If you've ever built a house, you know, all the material had to be on the lot before it could be built into the house. Isn't that right? So God is, is in the local church. He's building believers together, fitting us together as a local body. And and so uh, that's that's something, that's a reality that a Christian cannot be a part of. He cannot experience that outside of the local church. Amen. Now he's a part of the universal church and that's important. But there's another dimension here that's also very important. And God has put all of these things together and all of it is important. And so we are being built together for what purpose? As we, what, What's the purpose in offering up spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God uh, in and through Christ Jesus? What is the purpose? To create a dwelling place for God by his spirit. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. Now, I've made the statement several times, and I want to say it again, that we know that there's a twofold work of the Holy Spirit in the Christian's life, in the believer's life. If if anyone is born again in Christ, there, uh, there should be a twofold work of the Spirit. The first work of the Spirit is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Every believer, every Christian is indwelt by the Spirit. Romans chapter eight says, if 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 uh, the spirit's not in you, then you're if the spirit of Christ is not in you, then you're not of His. So we know the Holy Spirit is resident uh, and indwells every Christian. But then the Christian is to go beyond just being indwelt by the Spirit; he's he's supposed to go on and be filled with the Spirit. And being indwelt by the Spirit and being filled with the Spirit are two different things. They're, they're related things, but they're not the same. One is a greater dimension of the work of the Spirit. It's the same Holy Spirit, but it's a greater work, a greater dimension, and it has uh, its own uh, uh, set of, of, of uh, uh, results or or things that... that uh, occur blessings that occur because of being filled with the Spirit, there are some things there that, that you just don't have simply by being indwelt by the Spirit, as important as that is. And there are some things that we have being indwelt by the Spirit that are unique to that as well. But we go from being indwelt by the Spirit, if we're hungry and we, and we want all that God has, we go on to being filled with the Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, the local church, because you having the Spirit and then going on and being filled with the Spirit, that, that's true of you as the temple of God. Your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And you can have the Holy Spirit and you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, the local church is the temple of God, just in a, in a different way, in a, in a corporate sense. And the local church is indwelt by the Spirit. Every local church that God has raised up is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. I don't care where you go in town, any church that's, that's holding services this morning, if it's a church that God raised up, then regardless of their doctrine, we might not agree on everything, they're believers and God called them together as a local church. Well, the Holy Spirit dwells in that doctrine in that body, but God wants, just like in the individual's life, God wants the local church to move from just being indwelt by the spirit to being filled with the spirit, amen? If with every other expression, the Lord gave me this last, last night, if with every other expression of the temple of God, there are various expressions in the Bible of the temple of God. The first expression of the temple of God that we see, you know, in, after uh, the fall and, and God started dealing with man, the first expression of the temple of God was the tabernacle. That wasn't called the temple, but it was the precursor of the temple. It, it was basically the mobile temple <laughs> before the permanent temple came. Because all of the things that were in the the Solomon's temple when it was eventually built were in in the tabernacle of witness in the Old Testament. And in the tabernacle, which was a type of the temple, in the temple, or a form of the temple, an expression of the temple of God, then the actual temple in Solomon's day, then Christ, when he came, Christ was the temple of God. Remember that? He said, destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it up again. They said, it was 40 years building this temple. You're going to raise it up in three days? The Bible says he was talking about the temple of his body. Christ was the temple of God. Now, Christ was born of the Spirit. He had the Holy Spirit in him when he was a baby When he was 12 years old, you see the the evidence of of the indwelling spirit. He was all about his father's business. He had leading, he had understanding, he had the spirit of truth, the teacher on the inside of him. You see that as just a a youngster. He had the spirit, but when he was 30 years old, something dramatic happened. When he went down into the water to be baptized by John the Baptist, when he came up out of the water, John saw heaven, the heavens open and the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove came and, and, and descended upon him, sat upon him. And it says over in, in, in uh, Luke's gospel, then in chapter four, being filled with the Spirit. See? Christ had the Holy Spirit in him But then he went on to being filled with the Spirit. So that's another expression of the temple. you have the tabernacle. You have Solomon's temple. You have Christ. You have you, the individual believer. It's another expression of the temple. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. You have the Holy Spirit in you, but there came a day when something dramatic happened and you were filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you remember that? Do you remember when that happened? Yeah. There, There was a change that came into your life. There was another dimension. Well, if all of these other expressions of the temple, in every one of them, you see being indwelt by the Spirit, you see the temple then going on to be filled with the Spirit, then wouldn't it stand to reason that the church is the temple of God? That the church would have the Spirit, but the church could go on to being filled with the Spirit. Amen. Amen. That's what God wants. Amen. Amen. Now go over with me to 2 Chronicles chapter five and let's look at this in uh, in type in the Old Old Testament, 2 Chronicles chapter five. Glory to God. Now this is what happened when Solomon's temple was dedicated 2nd Chronicles 5 verse 11 talks about when it came to pass when the priest came out of the most holy place for all of the priests who were present had sanctified themselves without keeping to their division and the Levites who were the singers all of those as Asaph and, and uh, Heman and Jeduthun and With their sons and their brethren stood at the east end of the altar, clothed in white linen, having cymbals, strings, instruments, and harps, and with them 120 priests sounding with trumpets. Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were as one, to make one sound to be heard and praising, to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments and music, and praised the Lord, saying, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever, that the house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud, so that the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. Notice at the dedication of Solomon's temple, that there were 120 priests and there were the, the singers and the musicians and everyone there. And they, when they became one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord, that the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. That's the pattern. We saw it in the the tabernacle of of Moses in the wilderness, there are times when the glory of the Lord would would come up and it would be above the the tabernacle and the children of Israel would see it. Isn't that right? Here, it says it filled the house of God. Well, we're the house of God today. And God doesn't, he no longer dwells in temples made by hands. He dwells in you and me and he dwells in us collectively as a, as a body. And it's the will of God that the glory of the Lord fill the house of God. Now the glory of the Lord is the Holy Spirit. The glory of the Lord is the Holy Spirit. Go with me to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, Romans 6, 4. Now, notice this phrase, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. How was Christ Jesus raised from the dead? What raised him from the dead? The glory of the Father raised him from the dead, is that right? Now go over to 1st Peter and look at chapter three. 1st Peter chapter three. And look at verse number 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. He was made alive or raised up by the Spirit. Well, Romans chapter six says he's raised by the glory of God. Well, they're the one and the same. The glory of the Lord is the Holy Spirit. That's what the glory of the Lord is. It's a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. So when that temple in the Old Testament was dedicated it said a, a cloud, suddenly a cloud filled the house. And it was the glory of the Lord. It was the Holy Spirit. It filled that house to the extent that the that the the, the that that the priest could not continue ministering. The the older King James says they couldn't stand to minister they couldn't couldn't stand up to minister because why? because the glory of the Lord filled the house of God it was overwhelming it was life changing It was something I'm sure no one who was there ever forgot. what that happened, hey, you remember that time? Remember the dedication of the temple? We were all on the floor. <laughs> we had the little sensors in our hands, you know, and next thing we know, we were on the floor. We couldn't get up. Remember that? You would remember that. of God. <laughs> ah, hallelujah. That's that's the plan of God today. That's the plan of God today is for when the when 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 the church comes together, called together, not just anybody getting together, but when he calls us together, he calls us and, and when we assemble together as that temple, he wants his glory to fill us. How, how do we, how do we have, how does that happen? What, what, do we have a part to play in it? Yes, we do. The part to play is to remember that we are living stones. Not just dead knots on a, on a log. <laughs> Not just attendees. Not just a number in the count that morning. But that we were we we are living stones. And Understand that God is building us together to be a a holy temple, a place for his dwelling, that he might fill us with his glory. And so we, we come into here knowing that and we come into here offering up spiritual sacrifices. Oh, glory to God. Giving thanks, giving praise, unto his name, and he he fills that. Psalmist said, you're holy who are enthroned, you're enthroned upon the praises of Israel. The Holy Spirit enthrones himself, oh glory to God. Jesus is enthroned upon our praises. Can we just lift our hands and thank him right now? Oh, thank you, 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 Lord. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, we offer spiritual sacrifices. We have offered spiritual sacrifices and you've accepted them today, glory to God. And we continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks unto your name. We're thankful, we're thankful, we're thankful, Father. We're thankful for redemption. We're thankful for salvation. We're thankful for the call that's upon our lives, individual lives and collectively As a church, we're thankful, we're grateful, Father. Oh, we worship you. We praise you, Father. We worship you. 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 Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hallelujah! Praise God. Our praises are are acceptable to God because of Christ Jesus. He is our approach to God. Amen. Amen. He is the Lord. He is the Savior. Amen. He is. Oh, glory to God, the head of the church. He is the one who poured out his life, laid down his life, went to the cross, suffered all that he suffered, shed his holy blood, gave up his life that we could take ours up, that we could take his life up again. Oh, hallelujah, he is the Lord. So we offer up sacrifices, holy, acceptable unto you, Lord. Glory to God in Christ Jesus. Praise God. There's another thing that makes the praises of God acceptable. Praises to God acceptable. And that's found again, we just read it over in, first, in the second Chronicles. Look over there again. 2 Chronicles chapter 5. 2 Chronicles 5. Indeed it came to pass when the trumpers, trumpeters and singers were all on their own independent of one another not thinking about one another unconcerned what the other was doing no It came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. See, they came together as one. That's a very important key. They came together as one. There there wasn't 120 different sounds. They became as one to make one sound. That sound was a was a uh, a symphony of all of their voices and of all of the instruments of music it was it was one sound made up of all of these voices god heard it as one sound heard the sound coming from the worshipers the priests of the temple the priests were making One sound, not multiple sounds. They were making one sound. Oh, they all had their own pitch. Some, no doubt, sounded better than others to the natural ear. But God heard it as one sound. And he he received it as a holy sound. Oh, glory to God. One sound. One heart. One mind. One purpose. And God took it as a, Wonderful sacrifice offered up. And he came in and indwelled it. And enthroned himself among it and upon it to the degree that his glory filled the place. Oh, hallelujah. Well, that's what happened in Acts chapter 2. Go over there. Acts chapter 2. take a a look back at chapter 1, verse 15, said in those days Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. Altogether, the number of the names was about 120. Now, why, why would he mention that? Why would the Holy Spirit tell us there were 120? Well, this was the first meeting of the collective church when the Holy Spirit initially filled the church now he was already in those who had believed when Jesus was raised from the dead the first person to to uh, to to witness that or, or you know to be told that by the angel was Mary I think it was Mary Magdalene she was the first one that heard that Christ had been raised from the dead she believed it she went and told, the rest of the disciples, and they didn't believe it. They said, Yeah, there's something wrong with you, and you're making that up. She believed. Well, according to the New Testament uh, requirement, believe in your heart that God's raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So she was evidently saved right then. So, all of them, by this, by the time Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2 are being written, All of these disciples had believed on the Lord. They were all born again, so the Holy Spirit was in them. But this is the first time they had assembled together as the temple of God, wherein the Spirit could fill them. He he, he couldn't have before because he wasn't given to that degree. That demonstration or level of the Spirit hadn't been poured out yet. Well, the day of Pentecost, there was 120, just like there was in that first temple. It was 120 priests, says the midst, in the midst of the disciples, but they were all priests unto God, holy priesthood. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all, this is chapter two, verse one, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and one sat upon each of them and they were all, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now they were all individually filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit individually gave them utterance but they were also filled together as a a group, as a temple. Can you see that? And and the presence of God came in there. This time, not not in a cloud, but in the sound of a rushing, rushing mighty wind. Must've sounded like a tornado. It's not a a whispery wind like you hear hear sometimes going through the trees at your house. This was a rushing, mighty wind. Must've been phenomenal, must've been very dramatic. And it just filled the house. The sound. It was a sound as of a rushing mighty wind. That's what it sounded like. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them, they saw it. They saw divided tongues. The Greek says that it was—it was, they were tongues coming from one central source and then dividing off and one sitting upon each one of them. That's the way the Greek actually describes it. There appeared to them divided tongues and they looked like flames of fire. Listen, church, we ain't seen nothing yet. (laughs) That's disrespectful. We've seen some things, but we haven't seen a whole lot compared with what there is. Compared with what there is They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with other tongues. The Spirit gave them utterance. But notice that happened when they were all with one accord in one place. I told you about uh, somebody a few years ago challenged me on what he called the doctrine, my doctrine of one accord. And it it really, to be honest with you, it stunned me because he was very critical of my so-called doctrine of why I never considered myself having a doctrine of one accord. But if it's Bible, it's Bible, you know. But the thing that, that so kind of set me back was I never really expected to be challenged over one accord. It was all that to me, it was like somebody said, Pastor, I just don't agree with this worship. We, we, to have worship in the church, we shouldn't be worshiping God in the church. I mean, it, it, that's kind of what that sounded like to me. Like, Who would disagree? Who would think we don't worship God? Well, it, it just never occurred to me in my life. It was always a given to me that if you ever talked about one accord, everybody would be for it. Even if they weren't in one accord they would say we should be in one accord. I just, it was, it was kind of mind-blowing to me that I was being challenged that I preached one accord. The only thing I can figure, and if this is true, it's my fault. The only thing I can guess, I don't know, I, I can only guess that somehow I presented one accord as everybody thinking the same way. Everybody agreeing on everything and seeing everything exactly the same way. We're like little clones of one another. But that couldn't have been what happened there because these same people, just a few chapters over, have you ever read the sixth chapter of Acts? Now in those days when the number of disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the help. come on now. These people didn't have angel wings sprouting out, sprouting out of their back. They were just, these people in Acts chapter 2 were just as normal as anybody else. They weren't angels. They weren't perfect. And if you go through, I, 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 don't, I won't do, but how many of you know that, how many of you can testify you know that one accords all through the book of Acts? Does anybody not know that? Anybody not read the book of Acts? If you've read it, uh, I won't read them, but I'll just tell you where they are. Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 1. We, we, are, we didn't get that one. Verse 14, chapter 1, verse 14. These all continue with one accord. Acts chapter 1, 14, 2, 1 through 4. We just read 2, 46 through 47. Chapter 4, 20, verse 24, verse 31. Chapter 5, verse 12, verses 14 through 16. Chapter 8, verses 6 and 8. Chapter 15, verse 25. Chapter 16, verse 25, 26. So, So... Being in one accord is well established. We won't have to look at all of those. Isn't that right? I I remember Brother Hagen telling about the churches that he pastored. And he said of, of all of the churches that he pastored, forget, did he pastor four or eight churches, something like four churches, he didn't pastor very long, but he said of all the different churches he passed, he said he was only to, only able to bring one church, and it was a church in Farmersville, Texas. He said that was the only church, he said I was able to ever able to get to the place where they they became one in praising and worshiping the Lord. He said some of the most amazing things would happen when the Spirit of God would fill that house. Now, if you know anything about texans if you know anything about texans the reputation that texans have is they are the most staunchly independent minded people they have the reputation at least of of anybody in the united states texans are taught their state history from the time they are in kindergarten till the time they graduate from high school, they're taught their state history over and way more than, than we are in Florida. I grew up learning a little. I had, it had something to do with the Spanish. That's I, you know, I remember that. But Texans are taught every year. My friends who grew up in Texas have told me this. Going to school, every year, they were drilled Texan history. They're very proud of their Texan heritage. And as the saying goes, don't mess with Texas. Don't mess with Texas. They are a staunchly independent, have it my way, do it my way kind of people. And to think that these were farmers in in what he called the black land of north central Texas in the oil fields, And they were farmers, and some of them worked in the oil field, others, most of them were farmers. And in the 1940s, to think that they were a bunch of robots, and they always thought the same and and viewed everything, that's just a ridiculous idea. I brother Hagen said in some of those churches back then, I don't remember if this particular church, but some of the churches said they didn't have indoor plumbing, they didn't have indoor bathrooms. He said they didn't have a bath, they had a path. And he had to go outside. As a, as a youngster in, in the Church of God and the nomination I went in, I was in, my, my parents would take us to some of these district meetings, out on the outskirts of Jacksonville and some of these little country churches. I remember some of them not having bathrooms inside the. Mat. You had to go out and go down an outside hallway and the bathroom was on the back of the church. He had to go outside to, to go to it, I remember that. So, here's a church that, can you imagine when they first put a bathroom in that church in Farmersville? You think everybody had the same opinion on where it should be? No. I don't think you would have no water fountain inside the church. Dear Lord, a water fountain. The, can you imagine? I'm just saying these are what I'm saying is these are normal people. That wasn't the kind of unity it was he was talking about. This isn't talking about people always seeing everything eye to eye. Now it's wonderful if we can. And not there's nothing wrong with that and we all ought to agree on the, on the basic premises of the word, but we're not ever gonna all see everything that happens in the local church. I, that's not what the one accord is all about. They came together to praise and worship the Lord in one accord. Yeah. And maybe I misrepresented it you know, before. Maybe that's what you know, somebody was thinking. But let me assure you, being in one accord is coming into the house of God with one purpose. And it's not about me, and it's not about you, and it's not about the wallpaper, and it's not about the color of the carpet, and it's not about the location of this or that, or how this department's done, or how. Listen, all of those things are natural things that we do in this spiritual house, but we come to offer up spiritual sacrifices. We come in, the the man who's in the spirit, all of those things are pushed aside. Pushed aside, pushed aside. We'll talk about that on Thursday. But on Sunday and Monday and Wednesday, we're gonna worship the Lord. We're gonna praise God. We're gonna let God have his way. We want the presence of God. And this isn't a singular pursuit. It's a a pursuit of everybody in the church. And when we go glory, when we get into that routine, where we come together like we did this morning and like we have many times. We come together with one purpose and make one voice to be heard in thanking and praising the Lord. I'm telling you, there's no telling. There's no telling what God will do. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. He is filling his temple. He <sighs> he, he is filling his temple, glory to God. Oh, thank you, Jesus, with his glory, with his glory, with his glory, with his glory, Not my glory, not anybody else's glory, His glory. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. hallelujah. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching.